Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian Pugh, and I'm so glad that you've joined us here today. Uh, This Union Podcast just exists to help people discover God's design for sexuality, identity, marriage, relationships, all these very complex and, uh, you know, unique aspects of the human experience that are very connected to our heart. And we love to just go to the scriptures, hear testimonies of people's lives, of what's happened in their lives when God uh, steps in and heals shame and gives perspective um, on his design for these areas that brings freedom. So we are so glad that you've joined us here. If this is your first time, welcome. And uh, But if you're a return listener and you would love to see this podcast get out in front of more people, it would be we would so appreciate it if you would comment, share, subscribe. Uh, it just helps us to be seen by more people and uh, get the message of God's design for these areas uh, out in front of more people so they can encounter it and experience it. Uh, today, I'm really excited to introduce our guest. Uh, Carissa Shockley is a passionate follower, follower of Jesus, a singer, songwriter, worshiper, uh, but also a young lady who um, was really caught up in the LGBTQ lifestyle and pattern, dealing with gender dysphoria, a whole world of trauma and different things, yet God began to draw her by his love and began to heal areas of her life. And she just shares so openly and so vulnerably um, just what that process was like. And I want to encourage you that if maybe you're listening to this or you know somebody um, who would be struggling in these areas or is dealing with shame, is dealing with uh, same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria, all these different things, that today is going to be a very hopeful uh, empowering message and a, just a powerful testimony of what Jesus does in this process as he heals us and reminds us who we've been created to be in him. So without any further ado, uh, I want to welcome Krista Shockley to the Union Podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. You're listening to the Union Podcast. The Union exists to bring biblical confidence and clarity to the topics of relationships and sexuality. On this podcast, we unpack the damaging effects of modern sex culture and discuss how to heal from the past and enrich your relationships. Here are your hosts, Brian and Bonnie Pugh. All right, Carissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be with you today. Yeah, I'm super pumped to to hear your story today. And like uh, like I was saying just before we kind of hit record here, we love to have testimony because I think um, God has it's like God's tool to help people have hope for their lives when they hear what God has done in other people's lives. It gives them freedom and and um, and hope and permission to believe that maybe their their life and their story could change. Um, but before we jump into that. Um, you're not only a communicator of the gospel and, you know, active on social media, TikTok, Instagram, all that YouTube, um, but you're also a singer and a songwriter. Tell us all about that journey, getting into songwriting and being a, a musical artist. Well, you know, I, even before I ventured away from God, I had a heart of worship and mm-hmm. passion for worship music and God would speak to me through writing songs. Mm-hmm. So, so, how, so how long did you do that? Like how long have you been been in music and songwriting? Well, you know, all of my family are musicians. So I played piano at the age of five, started guitar at 12 and started out outward singing in public at like 15. Wow. <laughs> and, um, then I went on to college and studied opera and classical music production and was in the music industry for about 15 years. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So now I think people would tell that you're not originally from New York, but where were you born and raised? 
Yeah. I was born in New Mexico, Air Force brat. So I've moved okay. you know, roughly 20 times, something like that. And oh my was goodness. raised in, you know, the deep South, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Come on. Yeah. Uh, what led you to now calling New York home? Well, you know, I moved there about 10 years ago, maybe. And I started uh, work immediately right off the plane. And it just felt like home, you know, um, my community. It's where I found God. It's amazing. Uh, you know, and a whole awakening happened for me there. And it's just one of my very close hearted homes. I love it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I totally want to jump in uh, to your story and kind of hear a little bit about, you know, your family of origin, your upbringing, and just kind of lead into this place of where you hit a pretty rocky season of life and in a season of struggle yet, you know, how God uh, kind of met you in that place, met you in that struggle and that in that shaky ground and, uh, and brought you into a place of healing. But I just want to open it up for you to just tell your story. So what was it like uh, growing up in your family? Yeah. So, you know, my family, um, you know, my mother has the warmest heart. She's just the best mom in all the universe. And, you know, I, I was very close to my grandmother who had multiple degrees and she really inspired me to go and further my education. And she, you know, had this passion about sharing the gospel. And I just, I would watch her preach and I'd watch my mom worship. And I think that those were the influences that I had at a young age to know, hey, you should love Jesus, you know. But of course, our family went through a lot. You know, there was an early divorce around four, maybe three. Mm -hmm. I was very little and there was abuse and, um, just all kinds of terrible things that our family had to endure through that. But then I was also, you know, questioning my sexuality and all of this as mm. all of our family issues were going on, you know? And so growing up, there was a lot of trauma and a lot of hard things that we had to endure, like absent fathers and right. things of that nature, because, you know, we didn't have much when I was growing up. Sure. And I, I think my stepdad, he worked like three jobs at one point for many years. Um, so, you know, of course, my mom stayed home with us to be mm. the parent, to, to take care of us. And, and she was just amazing. You know, there were there were five of us at wow. some point in the home. And um, she just tag teamed it. You know, she just killed it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, you know, deep down south, um, you know, the culture here at that time in the 90s. Um, was like, if you're gay, you know, you're basically not welcome in the house. Like if sure it is trans or something like that wasn't even a thing that we talked about. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so I think a lot of us people my age, you know, they were struggling internally with their sexuality and gender, but we were all, it wasn't like Gen Z. You couldn't talk about it out loud. Right. Nobody was talking about it out loud. Nobody Absolutely. was talking. Nobody was like, I'm coming out to my parents, you know, in the house, you waited till you were 18 or 20, you know what I mean? And you kept it inside. And so I think that there was a lot, um, until I was about 21 that I kept a secret. Yeah. Um, wow. About all those things. So all the while you're you're struggling with this disconnect from your body, just feeling like, man, 
there's there's got to be a, there's a separation between who I am on the inside, how I perceive myself, how I see the world around me, and my physical body. And you know, you've you've talked. I've heard a little bit of your story talking about struggling with gender dysphoria and everything. Like, was this something you know that you heard going to church? Did you, was there a conversation on this, or like how did how did you, how were you able to kind of put words to some of the stuff that you were you were struggling with? So you know, those are things that I was experiencing at 11, 12, 13, 14, Gender dysphoria, debilitating. Um, to the point where I wasn't eating and mm. my blood sugar would drop and I'd pass out and public, oh, wow. you know, all those things were happening because it's not that I felt fat. It's that I didn't feel at home in my own body mm. and I hated what I saw in the mirror because it just, I, I felt pressure, all this outside pressure to wear certain clothes and things that I just, I didn't, I wasn't going to be one of those girly girls that wore a dress and sandals. Right. You know what I mean? I just wasn't going to be that ever. And, um, I felt this huge pressure um, to be something that I wasn't. Um, But yeah, these things, I didn't really learn how to talk about gender dysphoria until I was like 22 or 23. Um, So it took me about 10 years to realize and and a lot of counseling to realize that. um, Yeah, all those years I was debilitated from gender dysphoria. And Mm -hmm. it was this thing of... It was a satanic attack of the devil telling me um, that what was in the mirror was a mistake. Right, right. Now, and, yeah. Can you can you explain kind of to our listeners who maybe like because obviously like there's been so much more conversation and like you even mentioned like the Gen Z time that we're kind of living in this this topic is so much more um, gets so much more airtime now. But like you know for you and I who are you know in our 30s here like. Um, it was, it was really, really quiet and there, there maybe it's really misunderstood in a lot of ways, but, um, can you tell us like what, what that was like day to day kind of living in this, um, like you're, you're kind of raised in a Christian family, you're going to church, doing all this mm-hmm. stuff yet. And you know, all this stuff biblically, you know, that affects so many other areas of your life and, and stuff like, what was that like in the day to day, day in, yeah, just day in, day out kind of life and practice? I think, you know, I would go to church searching for something real and authentic, mm-hmm. Jesus lovers. Um, but I was in the Bible Belt and right. everybody cared about what you looked like and mm-hmm. the religious policies and following an agenda with a service. And, you know, I, I felt like all those years I would go looking for authenticity for a safe place. And there was just n- nothing to be found. There was right. so I was suffering silently, internally, in secret. Mm-hmm. for, you know, 15 years, you know, until I was about 24, 25. Um, mm-hmm. And I met true Jesus people then when I was 25. Wow. And that's when the change happened. That's when, you know, like when you get something for the first time that you've been looking for for so long, yeah, you, didn't, you can't really define what you were looking for until you've actually found that thing, wow. that, that void is actually filled. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. where the emptiness came from. Oh, yeah, this so true. So I know a little bit of your story as well. You had a sibling who is kind of living that lifestyle as well. How did that affect um, affect you as a young person, you know, feeling this disconnect and then seeing an example of what it looked like to kind of just jump into that, that lifestyle? What was, how did that affect you having somebody kind of close to you who was living that way? Well, you know, um, this, my older sibling, I love them with all my heart. Of course. Um, yeah. But, you know, I found out that they had their first girlfriend when I was like 12 and they were probably mm-hmm. 15. And I saw my parents finding out at the same time and their reaction. And, um, you know, 
she's 15 and um, was told you can't be here if you're living that lifestyle. Right. And, you know, at 12, I knew I was, I was struggling with same sex attraction. I had gender dysphoria. I didn't know who the heck I was either. I would Mm -hmm. struggle in the same way. And so I silently, you know, not only suffered, but planned to be out of grasp at at 15 too, you know, 14 mm. or two, because, uh, you know, obviously wasn't going to be able to be authentic um, right. about all of that. It's just something that I felt like they couldn't handle watching their reaction um, to her at that time. So having that like sibling, when I was, you know, living outwardly LGBTQ as a support partner, um, you know, mm-hmm. we would talk and bond over this. And then, you know, they're still living that lifestyle. And now I'm here with Jesus and um free and mm-hmm. know who I am and and I think there's a great part of my heart that's broken by that um yeah. but when I was living in that lifestyle we would you know when you have more than two people like you have a support system mm-hmm. you know um you're you feel strong that's your foundation you know what I mean and so I felt empowered to have this like friendship not only with my sibling but my best friend you know and so I feel like when you come to God there are people that you lose you know um but yeah I think you know that's the thing that people don't realize is that this thing this struggle when you get delivered from it um you're not only laying down your <laughs> sexual preferences and your flesh mm-hmm. you are saying goodbye to a community your community that you wow. called family um and some people don't gain their biological family back like i did you know right right and so how far are you willing to go for restoration in the presence of god mm. to be blind you know um this isn't something like i don't know other sins you know this is this is not like pornography. Everybody struggles with um, sexual sin from pornography. It's everywhere. And at one point or another, somebody has been exposed to that and sure. they're not disowned by their family. Um, right. They're, right. they're not uh, surrounded by a special porn community like this type of sin. You know, mm-hmm. um, this is a celebrated thing in the world and it's a movement and it's a people that become yeah. your family. And so when you walk out of that, you lose everything. Mm-hmm. I love everybody. Wow. You know? Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, I think, you know, just to get back to kind of your upbringing in the church, obviously, you know, as, as a, you know, as a preteen and you're, you're dealing, you're dealing with so much and you're seeing this example. And then, you know, when you came to a place when you kind of came out and you began to practice, you know, publicly, at least publicly practice this lifestyle, what, what happened to those connections in the church? What happened to uh, that relationship with family? That's good. Um, so one of the things that really hurt my heart uh, watching my older sibling um, was that the church treated us like we were aliens. Mm. And that's just something that I haven't been able to really come to terms with, but also there's grace and there's uh, because I feel like God has given me the words to say to church people who feel that way and behave Mm -hmm. that way. And it's not that I do it out of smite or anger, but um, out of this thing of like, it's on God's heart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's coming from a place of firsthand knowledge and not a place of, uh, what is it? Entitlement or, mm-hmm. um, revenge. It's, right. I believe that the, some of the churches are blind and that this is not a good reaction to a person of the LGBTQ community struggling with same sex attraction or gender dysphoria. And the reason that the church acts that way is because 
they don't know how to respond. So they freak right. out and they right. somehow believe that the power of God doesn't cover this particular thing, but it does. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think you bring up a good point because there does seem to be um there does seem to be like a sin rating scale that we've adopted at least in the west um mm-hmm. that actually isn't even in line with um you know like what it was like for the early church you know when you when Paul writes in um Corinthians and he says that like you know he warns them and says those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God and he goes through this huge list and there and and included in there is homosexuality and and mm-hmm. and all these things right and but he also includes adultery he also includes which would be you know fornication and also you know which is that's connected to pornography and we kind of have this subsection within the church that says like well this this can be tolerated but but this which is even in the same list you know, we're, we're going to totally take a hard nose approach on that. So we've adopted this scale of sin in the church that isn't even actually biblical in a lot of ways. Um, and you, you brought up a good point that, that this type of sin, sexual sin is different from a lot of other sins because we actually sin against our own body when we do these things. And so I think that's such a, such a powerful point. Um, you mentioned there, um, just really quickly, like you, you mentioned being delivered from this lifestyle and, you know, I think unfortunately that that can be put into this weird place for a lot of people because they go, um, that kind of sounds like pray the gay away, you know, which is unfortunately a, a statement that's been adopted by a lot of churches in the Western culture. But can you just unpack that a little bit more? Like, what did that that process look like? What did that look like for you when you really encountered Jesus and and stepped out of this lifestyle? Yeah. I mean, the main message that I usually talk about is you can talk to God. You know, if you are in a same sex relationship, if you are a trans man or trans woman, if you are bisexual, if you if you are calling yourself non-binary, pansexual, whatever you identify as, you can talk to God. Now, when I came to God, I still had a girlfriend. I was still active in that. Um, I was still wearing menswear and I was ashamed to show my face in a church because of how my family was treated. So coming and encountering Jesus was a private experience for me that whole first year. Wow. Um, and I said, God, I'll give you a year. I'll come to church every Sunday, sit up at the back, I'll tithe, and I'll go to Bible study. Wow. And wow. I'll read and pray every day. And um, so over that year, God opened my eyes to truth. You know, reminds me of Paul at the road of Damascus, right? He's mm-hmm. blind, scales over his eyes are removed by Aeneas, and he can see, oh, I've done some terrible things. I'm going to do something for the kingdom because of this, you know? And that's, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. But um, the first year, it was like, I guess a couple months into that year, uh, the girl moved away and I felt like was taken out of my life. But I realized that this relationship was different. It didn't hurt. God guarded my heart from the pain of that removal. And then after that, I got baptized about two months later, just felt like I need more of his presence. I need the Holy Spirit. I need more. Wow. Just a drawing, a luring in uh, to the kingdom and to righteousness. And I was like, I just got to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. So I got excited. I got baptized in July in a pool in the middle of Manhattan at this elementary school. Come on. uh, you know, it was awesome. And then I just felt more things breaking off, like all these titles mm-hmm. of the world. And I was starting to be empowered by those passages like Romans 8. Like I'm more than a conqueror. I'm made new and and all of these things. Like I've been set free from sin. 
there's nothing that the world could do to me that could take this life away anymore because all I, all that's ever going to happen to me when I die is that I'm going to live again. Yeah. And so being empowered by those truths and then um, seeing things unfold, like even through tithing financially, like just miracles happening all around me, like I'd never seen happen before wow. and people being set free. So getting baptized, actually, I was in Bible study and I'd be the person in the back of the room afraid to talk like the devil silenced me. And I remember that after I got baptized, there was fire that came over me. And I started talking out loud about the Bible in Bible study, you know, 10, 20 people in there. Wow. And one night the Holy Spirit broke out and um, we were all trembling and crying out to God. And, mm. you know, God was speaking to us as a collective um, group. And you know how he does that? Like somebody will start speaking in tongues and then somebody will like translate it. And he right, said, right. God, and you are my daughters, you know, you are wow. my people and I am your God. And that's when my body kind of went, you know, out. I couldn't mm -hmm. control my body that there was something inside of me telling me it was going to kill me and swallow me whole. And it's because he knew he was about to be removed forever. Wow. And God, I prayed to God and I said, this thing is telling me this and I need you to help me and don't let me see its face, please guard my eyes, um, guard my spirit. And in that moment it left and mm. I have felt lighter. The gender dysphoria was still there even to that point, even months after becoming saved, but it had left my body. And that's when I was able to start really cleaning out my house, cleaning house, like getting rid wow. of these old getting rid of the flags that I had, getting rid of my pride shirts, getting rid of all of that stuff that I had been holding on to just to make sure that I wasn't offending anyone for getting, for wanting to get rid of it. Um, just, you know, I was afraid of what people would think if I wore women's wear after making the sorts of decisions that I made and my hair sure. was barely an inch long. And so mm -hmm. I started praying for my hair to grow back. I started praying that God would show me how to dress appropriately. That would bring him glory. Wow. You know, and it, you know, it's funny. I never really got the vibe from God that I had to like wear this dress. You know, he was like, I love you and what you're wearing, but I want you to be a representation of the mm. woman that I created you to be the perfect representation of the woman, like claiming her and being wow. happy in that skin. It's not about wearing hoodies or t-shirts or dresses. It's your no. skin being confident in your skin that I gave you and seeing that it wasn't a mistake, but wow. seeing you were wonderfully and perfectly made. And so all those things happened in that year. And I tell everybody it's a process. I never thought I would ever share my testimony online. That took me five years after finding God wow. to put words to the thing that God was doing in my life took five years. There was so much packed in there that I was like, God, I could never talk about this. I could mm. never know where to start, you know, but I know that you're calling me to wow. do this. You know, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I love it. You know, like you're, you're making this contrast, like, because what you're talking about is genuine liberty and freedom that Jesus brings us, right? Like this is really what it lives to be free. Like when you're free in Jesus, you're really free. It's not just like poetic language or allegory or, you know, like it's genuine. Mm -hmm. And, but like, I think we hear in the culture today, like it's so prevalent that real freedom will come if you're, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction or homosexual desires or 
gender dysphoria that if you just give yourself wholly to those feelings or just just don't jump right in to that confusion on those areas then then that, that's what's actually going to lead to liberty and freedom but what was that really like for you like now that we see this contrast like we see like when you gave your life to Jesus and Jesus came in and this loving process began in your life can you talk to like what it was like really when you jumped in to just the um the homosexual lifestyle lgbtq practices all that was there really freedom there was there real liberty like what was your what was your life like oh i mean you definitely do feel a sense of like i'm on top of the world mm. you know i'm doing all these things that i've been holding in for so long and this is a dream come true right but then a month later that confidence goes away or six mm. months later you want to make a new change to your body to feel more updated and and more confident and and i felt like that was the difference was like i realized i was chasing one high after the other call it sexuality call it a sex change call it a wardrobe update call it whatever you want call it a new name call it your dead name call it whatever you want but it was it was getting me to this place of i'm getting high off of something in this world this is going to give me confidence this is going to give me happiness this means success and i realized that those things all faded away and just led me to chase another thing after another thing you know until i felt this void inside that was filled right but nothing could ever truly fill that void that i was looking to get filled until yeah. i yeah absolutely so you know you've talked pretty openly too that like this wasn't just like same-sex attraction but then there was this this idea or this was this drawing that you needed to transition physically now like when did that idea or that option really just come into play that like actually this was a step that i i needed to begin yeah so you know when i got into my first relationship at 21 uh and i came out and i was like i'm gay and you know all this stuff i started trying ties and button-ups and things like that just casually mm -hmm. you know a couple I would try those pieces and they brought me a lot of joy, right? But my hair was still long and everything. And when I moved to New York, I was like, I'm chopping off my hair. I'm going to this pride parade. I'm chopping off my hair. I'm going to wear menswear, going mm. all out. And that was awesome. And I felt on top of the world for a couple of years, but then my confidence started dwindling again. And I thought, well, and the devil would tell me like, you're non-binary. You're, you're not good enough to be a woman. You're not good enough to be a man. You're nothing you know, and you're not going to fit that criteria. You, you're putting yourself in a box. You're limiting yourself. You could be more, you could be a, a neutral thing and wear whatever you want and, and go by whatever name you want. And I believed the lie. And I thought, well, how could I build the most neutral body? And it, for me, that was getting a mastectomy, having a flat chest. And so I scheduled a mastectomy and, you know, then I found God shortly after that, that didn't go through with the surgery. Right. right. But that's kind of what went behind me making that decision of hmm. getting it scheduled was I was trying to rewrite my body because I felt that my body was ultimately a mistake as it was made, you know? Well, again, thank you for your vulnerability on that and your honesty. I, I do want to ask too, and, and I guess this is this is off off the questions a little bit yeah. but um you know you're totally free to answer as much as you feel comfortable with but um often we've talked about you know obs just observing things in culture and observing you know those types of decisions that young young ladies make and, and older ladies make too and you spoke back to trauma in your life 
Um, and I think this is the thing that I've observed is like when maybe there is, you know, sexual abuse or there is some sort of abuse that um, has affected a young lady physically, um, that there can sometimes be this hatred towards one's body because it's actually connected um, to that abuse. And there are, or maybe there's this thought that if, oh, if I, if my body wasn't like this and I wouldn't have attracted, attracted that attention or I wouldn't have had that experience. And so if I just get rid of that, then maybe the shame will go away. Um, what would you say to someone, you know, like that, um, that's feeling, that's dealing with those, those desires and dealing with that, that kind of, um, way of thinking and, and, and pain in their heart. But what, was there any of that in your life that would line up that way? Yeah. I mean, when I was 15, I was raped, um, and by a man. And that was my first like sexual experience basically being taken advantage of. And so that would turn anybody away from, you know, absolutely from trusting men. And I had already had trust issues in the past with men, just based on not having functional relationships, like with, uh, necessary people like fathers and grandfathers and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, um, that happened to me. And after I thought, well, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, I didn't speak up. I could have done this and I could have done that. And Mm. maybe that's all I'm good for. Maybe that's like all my body is worth is, is these types of traumatic experiences and things like that. I really, uh, had low self-esteem, um, because of this terrible thing that happened. And I had, um, this idea that all men were that way. And so like, we all have trauma, we've all been hurt and we have to realize that hurt people hurt people. Um, and so when that happens to us and we become a victim of somebody else's, uh, inability to heal and inability Mm. to, uh, face their own problems, that's not because we are lacking. Mm. That's because we live in a fallen world. And someone would have told me earlier, that guy was stupid, but not all other men are stupid. Not all other are going to treat women like an object. They're going to love you and see you as God sees you as as prized and and valuable and um, something to be cherished. You know what I mean? Mm. Wow. That's so good. Again, I just so appreciate your vulnerability. And I'm sure that speaks to um, where a lot of people might be at. You know, this is, this is very real. We're living in, like you mentioned, even before pornography is all over the place and we're, we're, we really are living in a sex saturated culture um, that even there's a, there's a level of trauma just existing in human experience, like in the human experience right now, because of how much uh, sexuality there is. Excuse me. Um, I think this is a great point. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and continue on with Carissa Shockley. Hey, it's Brian from the union here. And it goes without saying in our day, sexuality has become very, very complicated. Many followers of Christ are finding themselves with big questions about hot topic issues of gender relationships and sexuality and have questions like what is tradition? What is cultural pressure? What does actually scripture say about these areas of my life? And with this in mind, we've released an eight-session e-course for young adults called The Journey Home. It includes digitally accessed video teachings and self-reflective study guides that helps you take action steps to apply what you are learning. If you would like to go through the course as an individual or go through it as a group, you can find out more at courses.theunionmovement.com. All right. So we're back here with Carissa Shockley. And um, man, she's just done such a great job just um, sharing so vulnerably, vulnerably about her story and how she met Jesus in a practicing 
LGBTQ lifestyle and dealing with transgender, um, transgenderism, dealing with gender dysphoria, um, all these different things. And so I, I do want to pick it up, Carissa, because um, it kind of leads into this part that the, the same sex attraction aspects, like how did you handle that? And what did that look like? Because I'm, you know, you even mentioned in your story that some of that didn't really go away. Some of the stuff that you were set free from, it didn't really go away. And what would you say to somebody who's in the church or even a church leader right now who might be dealing with this? What is, what does that look like? And what did that look like for you? Yeah. You know, I realized, um, what is sin, right? It's like sin is acting like Jesus was tempted, Mm -hmm. but he's the word of God back to those temptations and he didn't act on them. So there's this thing called lust laying eyes on something and, and desiring something physically, just thinking it in our minds as a Mm -hmm. sin. But the thing is, is like with same sex attraction, it's like I am drawn to this beautiful person. I think all people are beautiful, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to send them my number and pursue relationship with them. Right. That doesn't mean I'm going to lay on lay eyes on them and have nasty thoughts and, and let that play in my head. No, I'm going to pray for self-control um, from God and I'm going to continue to build his kingdom. Even though I face that struggle every single day, I surrender it to God mm-hmm. and I pursue righteousness and I pursue his word when those thoughts come rushing in. And I don't, I don't give power um, to that sin by acting it out anymore. Right. So having a thought is one thing, acting on it is another. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, you know, even I think as a, as a heterosexual man, you know, there's certain levels of sin, sinful desires that I face that I need to submit to the Lord in, in all areas of life. But just because of, um, because it's some of like those desires are more, uh, in line with, with, um, with God's design in the sense that like, as a man, I'm attracted, I'm attracted to females. Um, yet when somebody like, I still need to submit those desires. Like I'm in a, I'm in a covenant between God and my wife, Bonnie. Right. So, so I've made a covenant before God saying that uh, my eyes belong to Bonnie, my, my eyes belong to the Lord. And, and if there is ever a veering or a pulling or that temptation, I need to submit that to, to the Lord. And I think, unfortunately, we, we just try to tell people who deal with sin differently that, Hey, you just gotta, you just gotta think like this and you just got to do this instead of it being this thing that like, Lord, these are very real desires that I'm facing. These are very real temptations I'm facing, but I want to submit this to you. And, and I'm going to trust you. Uh, despite what I feel, I'm going to trust you. And what did that look like for you in that process? Because I think this is what's important is that all of this we've been talking about has been a journey. It's been a process. It's been God drawing you first, you know, with his love, drawing you out of this lifestyle and then continually loving you and speaking truth in your life. What did that process look like? And how did you begin to just be um, where you are today, confident in the Lord and, and feeling a stronger alignment, even in your own body? Yeah. You know, I think we've talked about processes a lot and systems and, and, you know, God renews our mind. It says, now be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mm -hmm. But how can your mind be renewed if you don't know who he says that you are? And I remember coming to the Lord, still struggling with uh, the gender dysphoria and wearing menswear. And God came to me in my sleep after I came back to him, you know, and gave my heart to him again. He said, he was looking over me like a little baby, smiling over me as I was sleeping. And he said, you're still my daughter. Mm -hmm. 
and I love you. Can you imagine a person that born a woman wearing menswear, unsure of their name, unsure of their gender identity, and God comes in the room and says, you're still my daughter. And he was telling me who I was in him, you know, letting me know this is who you are. This is who you can be confident. There are no questions here because I have no questions. I made you and I saw that it was good. Yeah. It was no more. I made you my daughter and it makes me smile and you look beautiful and I love you. And I remember that time that you gave your heart to me. So when you, when you give a child to God, it's eternal. When you give your heart to God, it's eternal. When you give your marriage to God, it's eternal, right? The world comes in, seeps in, evil seeps in with its attacks and tries to take eternal things mm -hmm. and make die. But God is saying, this is how I see you for eternity. You are my daughter, right? So being renewed um, by the word of God every single day, reading and reminding myself of who I am in him. I, I think um, if if you're anywhere in your walk of life, a psalm a day keeps the evil away. <laughs> a psalm a day, bad thoughts away, the nightmares away, the anxiety away. Wow. And it teaches you how to pray. When you don't have words for God, pull out psalms yeah. and read it out loud. Life. Pull out Psalms. Why soul are you downcast? Mm -hmm. and, and encourage your own soul. When the devil comes attacking you, remind yourself of the truth of the word of yeah. God and who he said. I can never forget that I'm his daughter now because he said it over me. When he says something over you, it's forever. It's eternal. Yeah. It, it can't be changed. You, you can make changes to your body, but you are still going to still be in God's eyes, that man or that woman that he created mm, you to be. Man, that's so good. I um just maybe a couple final questions here. Obviously, like you're you're very open now and even in more of a public public sphere, you're very open about your testimony and what God did and and the struggles that you were facing and and everything. But what did that look like when you first opened up um, to somebody about about your story? And how how would you encourage somebody to take those steps who's maybe dealing with, with exactly with like dealing exactly with what you're dealing with um, or you were dealing with, excuse me. And what did those steps look like in, in bringing those things into the light and telling somebody um, what would have really been going on in your life? So I think I would go into Bible study and I would share what God was doing, but um, it was on the surface. Like I couldn't get into the nitty gritty details for many years, mm -hmm. but then I started having my younger friends that are more outspoken about this type of thing. Like right. I said, Gen Z, more outspoken, comfortable talking about porn, comfortable talking about sexuality yeah. and everything. And, gender. and um, I started having them come to me in the church asking me questions. And I didn't know why they were drawn to me. Mm. They didn't know my, but I felt like that was God kind of prompting me to really, it was time, open up, you know, time to walk into this thing for real. And that's, you know, they would come to me with questions and I thought, well, I'll just start a TikTok. None of my friends are on TikTok. Everybody's on Instagram that I know. They're not even going to know I started this account except for the people who have questions. And I would take their questions and I remember the first time that I opened up about what I was going through on TikTok. Um, it was from a question that came from a friend that was, you know, struggling with their gender identity or sexuality, or they had a friend struggling. I can't remember, but it all started with a question. And it just came over me that like the Lord was like, I need you to do this. Like, I, I want you to do it. And I'm sending you this fresh fire, this fresh wind, and I'm going to give you the words. 
And so every time I post, every time, especially about this topic, I have to pray to God for the words and I have to ask guide me. And I believe that the only way that this all came in to be was because of his strength and his power and his redeeming um, just story and everything that has happened in my life. It's It's been written by mm-hmm. him. He's going to give the words to you when you try to encourage someone. He's going to give you, give you the words to answer tough questions. Yeah. We shouldn't run away from something that is scary or unknown as Christians. We should believe and have faith and run into the trouble and be the peacemakers and be the question answerers. Because if we don't answer, the world will. Yeah, that's so true. And I think this is important for us just as Jesus followers to to not be surprised. You know what I mean? Like to to not let our face give way to somebody's, you know, X-rated testimony. You know what I mean? We have a good friend um, who says that like shame will always try to keep you from the place where it can be broken. And I think like we want to be those people um, that are safe. You know what I mean? People who are loving are truthful, yet loving and gracious and compassionate and can be that, um, you know, like it, the Bible says that, like the, the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to him and, and are safe. And I think like if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be that strong tower for people where they can run and find safety and find this freedom to let their guard down and let let the wall down and let transparency and this gift of confession take place, right? This is like James says to confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we would be healed, you know, like that you can't you can't confess in a place of of um, judgment, you know what I mean? You can't confess in a place of um, you know, fear. I think of the woman who was caught in adultery, she encountered love with skin and bone on, and that's what led to the confession. You know what I mean? That's what led to that transparency. So Chris, I just want to, I just want to thank you so much, um, for your heart and for your willingness just to be uh, so, so transparent and honest, um, to what you've done, um, and what your, your upbringing and, and everything and, and the struggles that you face yet also be so bold, uh, to share the reality of what Jesus does. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Um, how can people stay in touch with you? How can people uh, keep up with your story and with what you're doing? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, man. It's been so great. I know we had some like scheduling difficulties, but I'm so hey. glad it worked out. I'm, I'm feeling the presence of God. Yeah, let's um, go. <laughs> uh, so you can definitely find me on Instagram, TikTok at CLS1727, uh, carissashockley.com. And if you go into the link in my bios, you can find other ways to contact me, like an email newsletter, uh, my YouTube, where I also have a new podcast up and running. Awesome. Episode two, episode three is coming out tomorrow. Let's go. <laughs> like, you know, to get some real questions answered, uh, not only on the Union podcast, but the Carissa Shockley podcast yeah. and so many others. You guys can find that there on YouTube under Carissa Shockley. Um, but yeah, this has blessed me so much. Thank you for oh, awesome. For We're asking. so glad to have you. And we'll make sure that all those links are in our show notes for, for everybody to stay up to speed with you again. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, man. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, please visit our website, theunionmovement.com, or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Union Movement.